than some putty eye, even if we day old, y'all put your hands up, nah, put your hands down, put them in the ground, mix it with the brown, it's that new sound, even if it's age old, fresher than some putty eye, even if we day old, oh, Coming to you here on a solo episode of the Microbial Secret Society. And um, one of my favorite things to do is to go back to episode two and to listen to the first minute or so where a lot has changed. Yes, yes, indeed. A lot has changed. And um, coming to you this week, uh, coronavirus in full swing. But not sure that's what I want to talk about this whole time. Uh, this this episode here was supposed to be with Nick Bertner, supposed to be on permaculture. But like last week, I completely blew it or the week previous and um, completely forgot our date and instead went into town to grab a bunch of papaya for my pigs, which I've been a little bit worried about getting their food supply together for this um pan pandemic that's happening where um most restaurants are shut down and the food supply is getting real uncertain and um you know i think i think that's where i want to go with this episode is talking about our our just fragile fragile food supply which now here in um hawaii uh, we're just about to experience what I think and what no one's saying yet is one of the largest famines on earth right now. And, and the reason I say that is because today's population is bigger than any in recorded history. We have more people alive today vastly than any other time that they'll readily admit I'm not saying that there wasn't several civilizations before this, but it's the largest population we presently know of in <clears throat> the records that we keep <laughs> as people. And so <laughs> that's why I say that this is going to be the biggest famine we've ever experienced. Um, because there's more people to starve. And um, I also believe here in America, here, you know, I can't really speak for all of America because I'm only here in Hawaii. But I can say here in Hawaii, we are have never been better positioned to starve to death, given the most minuscule interruption to our supply lines 
meaning that, um, <clears throat> you know, what, what would it take to starve out Hawaii? Well, it could be as simple as a few boats not being able to to travel. But we we can look historically at it, and I think it was the 1949 um, dock strike in California where the ILWU, the International League of Workers United, or or Long Longshoremen Workers United, International Longshoremen Workers United, the ILWU, one of the biggest unions in history. They decided they weren't getting paid enough and they decided not to come to Hawaii. And they caused a complete famine here. And I think the, the strike lasted 120, 180 days, something like that, 120 days, which is like, what, uh, four months? of striking not just not loading boats to hawaii and they caused a complete famine where i heard they were out of baby formula after you know 30 days there was no real no food left and everyone went down to the beach and that was in 1949 when the state population was well under a million people and uh, the the beach could support that at that point, you know, people coming down, fishing, barbecuing, eating coconuts. You know, there was enough space on the beach for everyone. And today, so today we're in a quite different situation, though, where the populations are much over the millions. People lack the basic skills where in 1949, there wasn't 100% or 80% of Hawaii's food coming in on the boats. It was a much smaller percentage of what we were getting off the boats and actually using. Um, I heard in 1970, we were still 80% self-sufficient here on the Big Island. Dr. Park would would always say that. Um, So... Back, you know, talking about famine, talking about how this has happened before, where just the decision of not bringing um, food on boats caused such quite, um, you know, fanfare and catastrophe. So let's come forward to today, where like 80% of the food comes on boats and of the food that is grown here in Hawaii, much of it is exported and would not be grown here without an export market. So let me bring that to like sweet potatoes, which they're not growing the sweet potatoes here for the local market. But the second sweet potatoes, the ones that aren't picture perfect and aren't don't meet the quality standards of the market and on you know export market those stay here and feed our local population but the farmers would not be growing the, that many potatoes for just the local population the, the demand is not that big the only reason these potatoes are available is because of this export market where they're able to uh, grow for a higher price and then flood the market, flood the local market with the excess food, but they wouldn't grow potatoes without the export market. So in a famine scenario, you're not going to be shipping potatoes very far 
And it completely makes, um, you know, we're in the financial famine part of this aspect where what, um, you know, like the, the economics that were the drivers behind a lot of these food production systems, such as the sweet potatoes, I think are, are starting to disappear rapidly in, in the changing economic situation. So my case where I'm experiencing this direct famine is with the papayas where not myself that I, I can't eat, but my pigs are reliant on this secondary export layer where the picture perfect papaya go to the, the mainland, largely um, California. Um, some go into Canada and some go to Japan and the rejects from that process are, are what I feed my pigs. But with global orders slowing down for this type of fresh produce type of thing, there's now a uncertainty to whether I can get this same food supply of papaya coming in. And so I'm taking 800 pounds of papaya and feeding it to my pigs each week. So I just got disturbed and just had to go outside and now I'm out here and now it's raining and I really wish I had a sound studio and here I was talking about famine, but now I don't even know what I was talking about because, oh man, I can just tell you, you know, as a, as a listener out there, I thank you for, for listening to this show right now. I thank you for tuning in. I hope you can share this and I hope you can get it out and I hope you can some like convince a lot of people to join for the pro content, get the full two hour, hour episode, whatever it is, the full episode. Cause good God, I'm not sure what's going to happen with me financially. My, most of my money that I was earning in this last little bit was helping people uh, learn natural farming, Korean natural farming. And people would come here to Hilo, to the Big Island, to my farm and, you know, trade me, you know, uh, a couple hundred dollars for for a week long course to learn all about this natural farming and to download this information into their head. And but more than that, it's like you can do it through the Internet, too. But it's like you got to get the experience, the feelings, the knowing, the the in your bodiness of it. And that's what I offer here at the farm. But with the way it is with this travel ban, with more than that, it's with people's hysteria of demanding that the government shut down travel, that demanding that someone protect them, demanding that someone else say, Hey, don't, don't come here. You help me. You keep them away from me. Demanding this new world order on us. That now my customers, my my great folks, the, the the leaders, the people standing up around the world that want to learn natural farming now cannot get to Hawaii. You know, I mean, sure, you can come and you'll get quarantined and then you'll get checked in on and and all this stuff. I mean, but <clears throat> they're just shutting the world down and we're. You know, I'm not the only one relying on these tourist dollars to come in or these folks like where I'm trading people in this larger outside economy for money here in Hawaii and actually bringing money into the state 
instead of just, you know, the state government taxing the other stuff that's just going on. I'm actually creating value enough that people that earn money in the real economy are wanting to come here to Hawaii to say, hey, I, I want to learn what you got and willing to part with hundreds of dollars and, and not in a way of like, ooh, you know, it's it's well worth it. When I go to learn natural farming, I've paid thousands of dollars to invest in my education, learning from master teachers, learning from folks with just the depth of experience that I want, that I'm willing to part with money to get this knowledge. And so... That's another reason, again, join the pro, join the microbial secret society, become a member, because if you want to see this content continue, just realize my paycheck is gone. I still have shitload of costs on the farm. Everything costs money, you know, like things break all the time. I still got to go out and get things for the farm as an essential worker. But now my paychecks have shifted to food production, which is fine, which is good. But I also produce this podcast that takes a ton of time, energy, effort, and you can show your love and support and thanks and by advertising it, by having your friends sign up, by, you know, just making a donation to it if you really like it. Because I'm just letting you know, you guys, I'm teetering on the edge of like, I was thinking, am I going to make an episode today? Am I going to produce this? Am I going to take more time and energy away from my farm to put this out for you guys? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I see you. I hear you. You know, I, I'm coming right into your ears right now. I hope you can feel the partnership, the the where you scratch my back with some money and I scratch yours with this great content. I'd love to bring on more guests, do the great things, but I think I got great feedback last week from just the solo episode. So here I am again, right now I'm in the bushes sitting right outside my house in a basil plant next to me, some grass, some tea leaves, some avo, some bananas. I'm in a banana forest, if you can imagine that, under an avocado tree in, um, you know, April 10th here, just sitting, chilling. And this spot, this place, this things, it's, it takes a lot to do this podcast. You know, like I said, I wanted to build a little studio. I just got disrupted. It would be just nice to have soundproof walls in a nice place, you know, uh, but everything costs money on the farm. My income is gone. I really have one of this main source of income is this, the microbial secret society. And, you know, I talk about the vast membership because each one of us has trillions of members within us, but it helps if we spread it to your macro friends and these things. So I don't want to make the podcast just about making the podcast. How many times do you watch YouTube and they tell you to subscribe? If you minus that part off YouTube, I bet you that, you know, the actual content of YouTube is pretty minimal compared to the content trying to get you to subscribe to the content on YouTube. And you would think everyone gets the drill by now. You like some content, you share it on Facebook, you share it with your friends, you hit the like button, you hit the subscribe button. Who the hell in 2020 is new to the like and subscribe button? And please, for the like, for the sake of everyone, get with it. Because I don't want to hear that shit anymore. We know to like and subscribe and push the little fucking bell icon, okay? Like, good God. So... Anyway, coming 
coming back to some other things to keep it on topic, not to ramble too much, to slow down my voice, because sometimes I listen to myself like, good God, you drank way too much coffee this morning going off on some shit. But slow down a little bit. I also want to talk about the number of podcasts out there. I heard there's something like 75,000 podcasts or something, maybe even more. And that's maybe just on even one service. So the signal to noise ratio is also picking up. People are putting a lot of bullshit out there. They're also putting a lot of good stuff out there. Good content, good things. But one thing that's hard is to get exposure. And, you know, my podcast, I'm thinking, what's what's the best way to get it out? What's the way to get these ideas of Korean natural farming, microorganisms, beneficial soil, ganja, electricity, plants, archetypes? kind of like high level wizardry and how do you get that out how do you get these ideas to more folks so that they can expand their consciousness because what i feel like we're doing here is we're bringing the new paradigm the new paradigm of um you know understanding balance with nature and maybe maybe that's it. Maybe I went too esoteric with the name, calling it the Microbial Secret Society. Maybe I should have called it the Balance with Nature podcast featuring Drake and goober myself up and make myself a lovable celebrity or something. But it's not about me, guys. It's about the message. It's about the microbes. It's about restoring the earth. It's about bringing this movement of life back to life and into our lives and into our cities. And so how do we get this message out there further with so much more signal to noise, right? There's so many more signals, so many more, 75,000 different podcasts. And maybe if those podcasts were about this, and not to say that you know, things on cooking or cats or whatever those podcasts are about are not important. But I feel at this point in time, it's like, especially with coronavirus, like understanding simple, basic virology or microorganism competency is so vital to us. I see people lathering themselves in antibacterial hand sanitizer against a virus. Okay. Hand sanitizer does not do anything for viruses. Soap, soap does because soap pops them. It creates a different pressure and it, and it pops them, but antibacterial soap hand sanitizer does nothing against a virus. And this is the other fishy little side tangent because of the other ignorance of folks. But why is hydrochloroquine effective for a virus? If this really is a, <clears throat> a virus, as they say, out there amongst the population, why is hydrochloroquine, which has does nothing for viruses, effective? And why is why are Z-Packs, Z- Zethromycin, 
another antimicrobial thing, which does nothing for viruses, effective against this. It's ZPAC is like a turbo antibiotic, meaning it's going to kill all these other things. Why are these effective cures for a virus? This just shows the general ignorance of the population that no one's that we're not rising up in mass to say, hey, both of those two official solutions proposed by the government or or by, you know, these officials have no nothing to do with the virus. So, hey, can we investigate this virus a bit deeper and see, is it really there? If you're saying this, this is coming from a virus well then show me the virus where where is it and and that's the other the other thing when i say show me the virus that picture they have up there that picture with the the ball with the the maga hats those red things coming off of them that is not real there's never ever 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 been a picture of a virus that especially that's in real color that was colorized. So they made those red things on there to look scary. It was colorized by some artist and it's a computer graphics representation of something they see on an electromicrogram, which there is no, you cannot take a picture of this thing. It's too small for light to be captured. It's, it's not in the visible light spectrum. It's in this electromagnetic spectrum and that they can attack detect with special equipment but it's not there's never ever been a picture of a virus or a living virus or any of this so that picture they show makes you think oh this thing is after me because this thing i can see it and it looks like this and this is out there attacking people and that is not true it does not look like that and that thing is it may not be that thing it's 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 like a wave symptom attacking people. But when they show a picture, it makes it seem like this thing is attacking you. And it's it's not that way. Um, so I'll, I guess I'll dive into the, the other part of the episode that I that I really wanted to get into. You know, we're, we're starting to get into the, the pro section of this, the secondary section, the part where I go deeper into um more of the occult and you know this episode since it's only a, it's a solo episode the it'll only run an hour so the first half hour so what are we a couple more minutes into this free segment for everyone to listen to but the the topic i wanted to broach to breach to reach to preach about all those things that rhyme with time is a concept called hypnotism and it helps if you clear your throat before you begin to talk about it because with hypnotism having a calm steady voice that you're able to have your listener sort of hang on every next word just waiting for those words to flow, those commands to come across the audio barrier into the subconscious, penetrating beneath, below any conscious thought. It's this type of voice pattern, this type of knowing what you're doing, 
This type of anchoring into reality on such a beautiful day that naturally locks your auditory, your whole system down because you are under control of your subconscious. And the real only way to avoid being hypnotized is to be aware that it's happening to you and to know that when we watch the television that these folks are master hypnotists that in fact the color schemes the cadence of their voice the costumes they wear the studios they build they've all been effectively crafted to grab your audience to grab your attention to move the audience, to bring you into this space of conditioning that the message can be given deep into your subconscious. And it also helps that we've been raised in a Jesuit type of education where the Catholic school, the popes, have informed our inner systems from the age zero to seven, they shaped, shaped and crafted our, our little moldable minds and given us perfect containers and cubbies and shelves and things to stash our little goodies that they continually hand to us. But there's a formula to it. There's a way to anchor. There's a way to know. There's a way to participate. And what I wanted to bring your attention to here in this moment was a book I've been reading called Program or Be Programmed. And I'm not really reading the book. In fact, I was just looking at it. But the guy's name, the author, is Douglas, Douglas Rushkoff. And he has this premise called Program or Be Programmed. And as a computer programmer, it really lights my, my wick, my fire, my attention. Because when people talk about these social programs coming, these systems to help us with government spending and how they're going to tax you more, but give you more of your stuff and somehow you're going to benefit. They talk about these programs. And it's the same idea of program or be programmed that if you're not writing the social program to control your life, if you're not engaged in the system, the thinking, the understanding you want to be writing for yourself, you in fact are accepting someone else's program and you are letting them run their code on your mind and you think maybe some of your actions are independent or some of your thoughts are arising from deep, deep within but really it's this emotional consciousness of spin of your vorticular toroidal eating pooping machine that can take atp synthesis and make action happen based on large social patterns that you're largely unaware of that you're participating in. And you are now a cog, a human cog in a war machine, 
especially if you're an American citizen, because that's just the way we are raised to be without our knowing, without our conscious programming. Our medical systems are based on military technology. Our food supplies are based on just-in-time military delivery. Our education systems design us to be obedient, kind little soldiers. And it's this system that lulls us into a deep hypnosis that only very few of us, those that are aware, those that see, those that decide to study the patterns that are put upon us, that can then shape the reality. And if you look at who those are in today's world, they're mostly the technocracy. The folks that literally write programs are now virtually controlling us. Who's been elevated to power other than Mark Zuckerberg or William Gates? Right? Will I am Gates keeping you locked behind your you know, windows so you can only peer out. But I want to bring you into the idea of this technocracy, this idea that you can write literal programs on the computer, on the silicon mycelial matrix, that you can then have vast control over society that you can even run algorithms that will pick out certain data sets. And that the whole key to today's world, if you listen to the political rhetoric, to the economic rhetoric, to who has the most money in today's world. Well, that's it for our free episode. So join us at www.microbialsecret.org for the full episode and join the Microbial Secret Society. So uh, may the beneficial microbes be with you. Aloha.